0: I'm good gearing up for London. Oh, my God. So exciting. So exciting. I know we've said it before, but we should just remind people, yep. if you're in London, or you're going to be in London, or you want to get yourself to London, we will be at the London Podcast Festival. Our show is on September 7th, Yep, Um, and you can find all the info online. Mm-hmm. Guest TBA. Yeah. Big announcement's coming. Big announcement's coming, and if you come to the show, you can then go to Ducky with us afterward yes. and dance your cares away. And you are committed to coming with me. I'm committed to coming with you. Great. Uh, My best friend Marari is coming with me from Ohio. She is also committed to coming to Ducky. Love it.
1: Um, Saturday, September 7th, we will be at King's Place. Yep. Talking. Then at Royal Vauxhall Tavern for Ducky. Dancing. Can't wait. Speaking of dancing.
0: What are you going to tell me about
1: dancing? The new cast of Dancing with the Stars has been announced. Oh. And that cast includes one James Vanderbeek. Wow. James Vanderbeek. Week after week in a tight pant. Oh my God. An open top. <gasps> throwing aggressive sexual shapes.
0: Unreal. Learning
1: new steps, expressing himself in new and exciting ways. I have not been this excited since Grocery Store Joe was on that very same show.
0: I'm so happy for you, Dave.
1: I think whoever books talent for that show
0: listens to this one. I was just thinking that. I'm like, I think that you manifested this. Yeah, I think I have in oh, some way. thrown up on the floor and is now eating it off okay. the carpet. Okay. And I, and I right. don't know, I, you know what, It's she's too far into it for me to do anything about it. And yeah. I apologize to the listeners. That's okay. That's okay.
1: That is her <laughs> review of this season of Dancing with the Stars. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited for the next few Mondays. Truly a
0: thrill. my life. That's what great. What a
1: gas. Uh, this episode has double your pleasure. Yes, double your fun. Double your pleasure, double your fun. Uh, two legitimate geniuses Yep, on today's show. First up, from uh, the brand new podcast, Ghosted, mm-hmm. Roz Trasviles. Yep. Uh, who is an absolute dream. Uh, also... Uh, here via Skype from Dartmouth, um, the writer of a book called How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, which you must read. Yes. Unbelievable, queer wisdom on every single page. Uh, Alexander Chi will be joining us from his little writer's retreat. That's right. Yep. Uh that's right. It, it's we're stacked with this one. We are stacked. Enjoy so let's get to it.
0: the show. We're back with Roz Drezpelen. Hey. Um, I frantically made Ryan start rolling because you started to something really juicy. And I was like, we have to capture
2: this. Girl, you know, I bring the juice. So
0: Dave is uh, on his way. But I wanted to start because we started talking about your podcast off air. But I want to he- first of all, set the stage for people. OK, about your
2: show. so I have a podcast called Ghosted by Roz Mm Dresvelas. And uh, basically it is me talking to celebrities, um, everyday people, you know, people that you know from the neighborhood, Uh, psychics, uh, experts, all kinds of people about ghosts. Because I love to hear ghost stories. Yeah, Um, I'm not an expert whatsoever. I just like to hear them. I I love... It's the best. And it's something that I've done my entire life. I've done this podcast, just nobody was recording or listening. So I've always been like, tell me a ghost story. And then I, you know, just decided people people need to hear this. And I also I think it's fun to to have fun with it and to kind of laugh. I mean, it's that's what's so cool about the show is that we always sort of have a sense of humor in one way or another in the episodes, but we do get to hear stories that are, um, you know, sad, you know, loved ones, really sweet things of loved ones coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also hear a lot of, you know, campfire, slumber party type stories mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, I sleep with the lights on now because I'm terrified. Now, were you, had prior to doing this, had you ever, had you had a supernatural experience of your own? Tons! Okay, Okay, well, here's the thing that happened to me. I grew up in a house with my grandmother. My grandmother died. uh, She spent her dying days in the house. And she was my grandmother. And so she uh, she passed when I was five. And I kind of, I got a sense... Early on that she, you know, maybe she felt like she missed out or something. And she was always there specifically around me. For some reason, I was able to acknowledge that. And I didn't even think anything of it. I was just like, oh, yeah, grandma. Like, that was great. Like, I just, I don't know. She's part of the house. you're You're fully seeing her. No, Well, I saw her one time. And then after that, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, this is grandma. You know, it's just part of the family, part of the house, part of the experience of growing up in this house. You weren't scared. Well, I wasn't scared because it was that loving energy. You know, it was uh, just, it just felt like a grandmother was around. Yeah. And, but... You know, if I was being a little brat, uh, she would m- get mad. Like yeah, I could tell that she was mad. Oh, Dave Holmes oh, is here! Holmes hey, Dave Holmes! Is here. Come on in. Oh, um, we're so talking we're talking, talking about my grandmother uh, that that haunted my house growing up and yeah 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 basically great uh and so there was one time that i saw her and to me that really confirmed that it was her and sorry may i I, how old were you when you saw her? that might have been 10 okay yeah we actually didn't live that was her house and my grandfather's house we moved in when i was about nine and when you saw her, how did she look like a ghost? I mean, she, what did you see? Well, that's what I, I love talking to people on the podcast about, to have them explain in detail what this looked like. Because I've had people, um, we just had a guest the other day that was saying, they just saw a man in their house and they thought he was a guest of the party. but And then he was gone. You know, so for me, that was not the experience. It wasn't like how we see each other right now. For me, it, she was giving me full ghost fantasy. Wow. She was like. Uh, I, sheet over the head, two eye cutouts. <laughs> Exactly, okay. Okay. Uh, I I couldn't. I, I when you're in those moments, sometimes I think since all of a sudden there's someone in your room, you're not really looking at all the details and and soaking it in. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's sort of like when people are uh, when there's court trials and they ask you about all these details. It's like you don't think about that yeah, stuff when yeah. you're in the moment, but it did feel. Uh, not like how you and I are right now. Because it was very quick. It was just like, hey, I'm here. And then poof, I'm gone. And she just disappeared. Wow. So that's how I knew that it was a ghost. Mm -hmm. Did you Um, feel feared? Did you feel... Comfort? I did at first. I was definitely scared, but then I realized like, okay, this is this is fine. But there's a thing that I talk about a lot, um, which is uh, the uncanny valley. Have you ever heard that term? Yeah, yeah it's basically when things are sort of human, but. You know that they're not, and it's mm-hmm. what scares people about clowns, ventriloquist dummies, uh, mannequins. Aaron Shock. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's. Uh, you get that with ghosts. So there was sort of that in that moment where I was like, "Wait, that was not. It was like uh-huh. human, but not human." And I felt the soul, and a, I don't know. So there was that. But then you know, I started realizing that it was a loving spirit. And so I think because at such a young age, I had so many of these experiences with her. It was a very great way to initiate me into having that feeling. I'm definitely not a psychic. I'm definitely not. I, I'm not the Long Island medium. I don't mm-hmm. have the nails or the hair. And I, I um, I am somebody that just can recognize what that feels like when there's somebody else there. Mm-hmm. I can't always put a. I can't always tell you who it is. But I've gone to many places since then where I'm like, oh. There's like someone here. Or I think, I always say, I I believe that ghosts see people. I don't know if there's some kind of, you know, aura around us or what it is. But they go, oh, that person will get it if if we did something. And so I go to these places and, you know, a door will open. And it's, I think that maybe it's because of that. I don't know. Because I've had
0: a lot of these experiences. Have you had other experiences like that one when you were 10 where it was just, uh, like visibly tangible scenes.
2: That's the only time I've ever seen mm. an apparition. And honestly, I don't want, I'm good if I never see one. I like to hear about it because that stuff does, it is scary. Yeah. It's, uh.
0: But that's why yeah. it's fun to hear other people's stories, is you yes. can experience the sort of little thrill of it
2: without having to yes. live through the,
0: the terror. Uh huh.
2: And one of my favorite TV shows of all time is Celebrity Ghost Stories. Yeah, sure. And I, I'm just like the typical viewer of any show where I watch something and I'm like, wait a minute. What was the what happened here and there? And I don't know about that. And so now I'm getting people from that show on the show, mm. and I'm getting to ask those questions. And have you
0: debunked things that you didn't believe? I believe in everything. You believe
2: <laughs> <Okay. at all. laughs> Why not? It's you know, it's fun just to it's fun to believe that there's that anything is possible. Yeah. You know, I just I mean, it's okay if you don't. But for me, it's just I just think that the that the sky's the limit. Anything could happen. And you said
0: there's a special episode, kind of the time
2: that we're recording this, uh-huh. a new one that's about to come well, I have out, my first, it'll already be out. Yeah, I am my first person that had sex with a ghost. What? Wow, That's right. Former guest of this show, Billy Lee. Really? Wow. She says that she had a sexual experience with the ghost. You'll have to tune in to hear. Oh my God. I was Just push my
0: chair back from the table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but
2: here's the thing. She's wow. not alone. I have Googled this and... Tons of people have had sex Tons of celebrities have had sex with ghosts Or at least they claim to have Let's go through Okay And do it like it's uh, The the People's Choice Awards
1: Okay Just list them
2: out with enthusiasm Coming up first uh, Nominated for Sexual Encounter with a Ghost (laughs) Lucy Liu Guys Lucy Lucy Liu I believe Lucy Liu That's what it said This is what this article said Now it's the internet Who knows Wow, Um, Lucy Liu It also said on uh, the internet um, Who else was there There was um, Oh Bobby Brown Kesha Kesha wrote a whole song Supernatural About um, her experiences In that way So when I looked it up It is a thing And apparently it happens And luckily A lot of the people That were writing about it Or that were talking about it Didn't report it as an assault or something. They were like, it was a pleasurable experience.
0: It was not unwanted. Like in Billy's case, we'll have to listen to the show, but in Billy's case, it was not an unwanted sex book.
2: Correct. Because I was definitely, you know... Uh, not sure. right you know, I, I had to make sure. Like, you know, was this because it's not even someone that you can see. So, you know, if they're just having doing stuff to you, but so um, she couldn't see the. It wasn't even like a well, shadow that was. I'll tune into fun. Okay, <laughs> but but she did say she was like, it was nice. Are you open to a ghost experience in that way? Yeah, I mean, I haven't found that filter on Grinder yet. Right, but. <laughs> I mean I you know in my googling there is also like spells for summoning succubus or an incubus is what they call um a demon or spirit uh-huh. that uh, does sexual things with someone and then people have also married ghosts so honey I'll t- I'll take what I can get at this point okay are you
0: Caught up on Vanderpump Rules, by the way. I've never seen. You've never
2: seen. No.
0: I just assumed because of the Billy Lee all. No. I oh, well, I ask only because in the most recent episode, um, Stassi goes to like the Oracle of L.A. to s- get sort of exorcised, uh, oh, uh, like a, a, an, an inner demon that causes her to act like a psycho. Some might argue that that inner demon is. Just alcoholism, but... Got it. I was wondering if you'd ever dabbled in the, these other dark arts. You know, <laughs> your your, your <laughs>
2: witches, your oracles, your... Um, I can't say that I have. I'm... Um- I'm very, uh, since I believe in so many things, I am terrified of darkness. Uh, I do believe in demons and, and dark energies, what, whether that's the devil with horns or what it is. I don't know. But um, I try to stay clear of that. I'm more yeah. interested in humans, you know, he, what happens when we're done with this mm-hmm. life, you know. But I do like to hear the stories about sure. the spooky, spooky, spooky Um My first episode of my show, sort of a preview episode, I tell the story of a Ouija board that I bought from a Goodwill for $1 and I knew it wasn't a good idea, but I just thought it was cool and I didn't want to use it, but I just wanted it in my apartment and stuff went down. What went down? Tune in to find out. Tune in to Ghosted by Roz Dresfalis. I'm telling you, you're a human cliffhanger. I'm a cliffhanger, honey. I yeah sorry I ate a Cliff Bar before I came in here, <laughs> um, hanging
0: on by a thread. <laughs> when you when you are not uh, dealing with a supernatural or performing, <laughs> what are you watching these days? Are you watching Drag Race?
2: Um, <laughs> I am watching Drag Race. I definitely um, have learned from experience that we only say positive things, and that. In, in regard to that, mm. um, I just don't. <laughs> you I, only. <laughs> I yes, yes, yeah. because um, I don't have anything really negative to say about it, but I just need a break. Is my only thing. I need a break from Drag Race <laughs> because it's it relentless. keeps going. It went from All Stars to Christmas to, like I'm not excited yeah, right and now. And then it
0: doesn't. Be, it's not special anymore.
2: Which I feel bad for the queens that are on it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me that feels this way. No, it's not. Oh, I it's just not. Had this conversation. Okay. Yeah. Because for me, I'm like. You know, it used to be that I have to see, I can't wait for the moment that yeah. it airs. Right. And now I'm like, oh, that was on three days ago. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. So it's just sort of that going on. I am watching it, but, um, it has, I, it's become
1: the voice to its own American Idol. Oh, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, it's flooded the marketplace with
2: itself and now you just can't. It's but hey, people available. are watching, yeah. people love it and sure. it's, it has done great things for people like me. So,
0: uh. And who are your favorites of the current season
2: of uh, this season? Well, I think anything Miss Vanjie says is gold. She's great. She's I love works. somebody that is not a comedian, but everything they say is hilarious. Mm. Um, uh, I think Brooklyn Heights is pretty uh, fierce mm. in her own way. Uh, I typically tend to be more drawn to like the um, uh, acting, uh, Uh, comedian-type queens. Um, You know, your Jinxes, your Willems, your um, Alaskas, Trixies, which I don't really know that there is someone doing that this season. Um, So, yeah. I mean, I like them. I think Silky's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's some good people on the show. Did you know Silky was a doctor?
0: (laughs) Is that true? Yes, she says it a lot. I don't know a lot because I uh, admittedly watch the for the little mini challenge at the beginning, I fast-forward through the whole episode, and then I watch the runway at the end. Yeah. So I miss yeah. a lot.
2: Yeah, me too. I don't know. I I thought that was just one of those fun things that RuPaul says. No. When she calls her doc, Dr. Silky Doctor Ganache. Dr. Silky Ganache. Why, um,
1: why do we consider Snatch Game such a highlight when it never works? <laughs> I know you're trying to say nice
2: things, but yeah. it so rarely works. Yeah. I don't know. It it is interesting because there are so many acting challenges, but yet so many of them don't end up acting much. Right. But I mean, it's just part of the show. Um, It's hard because you have to have so many abilities to be on that show. You have to know how to sew, act, dance, like all these things. So, um, yeah, I think ultimately the one thing that everyone has to have is a personality, I think, as a drag queen just in general... And I think that that's a great way to show your personality in that challenge because it's improvised, and so that's when you see who's got the strong personality, and and usually doesn't. turns out no one is the. <laughs> so there's been <laughs> some moments. Um, so what do you watch? What's your oh okay sorry. So what do I watch? Um, I haven't seen the past few episodes, but I'm um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills mm-hmm. till I die. Um, I do but you guys watch too oh yeah listen i love that show so much but god i really the ones that i like the most are um lisa renna is my goddess and erica jane but like a lot of the other ones i'm like some of these storylines are just kind of forced this season and the dogs and the i'm just like whose side are you on with the dog I don't know. I don't it's, I don't know that I care. Yeah. I just want to see Lisa Renna having the time of her life. I'm so inspired by Lisa Renna. It's like, oh me too. what a career. Such a career never gives up. Just hustle, hustle, hustle. And she's like party of one. like even if people aren't having a good time, she's having a good time. Yes. She knows that. yeah. and I like to live my life in that way. I'm just, I'm just, I am think, what would Lisa Rinna do? I know she'd be having a good time mm-hmm. waiting in line at the DMV or wherever you are. Yep. Were you a, a Days of Our Lives person? I wasn't. Were you a Melrose you know, Place person? I can't person. say that I've ever even seen her ex. Yeah, she's just a presence. <laughs> I just like her. Yeah. I mean, I've seen her on QVC and I'm like, this is a blast. I would never even wear those dusters or whatever, but I'm calling. <laughs> yeah, sure love it
0: um how did you choose your name
2: okay my name is ross dress only z's it's not people i don't know why but people always think my name is ross dress for less like the store i don't know, like where, the they I don't know yeah. where they got that it's like <laughs> come on um i well i've always been a bargain shopper i mean ouija boards one dollar i see right. it i have to have it um Everything is always secondhand, thrift, whatever. I'm just... It's just part of my nature. I love a bargain. And so I wanted to choose a persona because I've had many over the years. I started dabbling in drag in 2010. And then the past about four years or so, I've really developed this Roz thing, which is really truly just me. Um, And I wanted a name that lets you know who you're dealing with. And for me... I started, you know, four years ago is when we started seeing, oh, drag is all about really fancy couture and, you know, looking as flawless as possible and all these things. And, and I just thought, you know, that's not obtainable for me to ever, I'm just not the kind of person that is flawless all the time. Like, you know, I... I am very proud about the fact that I have clothes that I bought for $2, and I have made dozens of dollars wearing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I did uh, I did a national Google commercial, as, and I was wearing a top that I bought for $4. I mean, yeah. That's something not? to be proud of. That's all my clothes. Um, so anyway, I— uh, so I wanted a name that was you know had to do with being the bargain bin beauty, and so I was kind of thinking of them, and then I was doing. Um, I'm so fortunate to have been involved with uh, the local cast of Golden Girls here, which oh, yeah. we have um, at Casita del Campo. Have you guys ever been? Oh sure. Oh
0: cool. Oh time of my life.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, then you probably didn't notice me because there was much bigger personalities, <laughs> but I've been in most of them, and um, I usually play like secondary characters, lots of waiters and dates. Mm -hmm. Um, or you know kooky lady that you know has two lines Um, but I've also played Rose a few times when Drew couldn't make it Uh, but that's my family that's like my drag family Sherry is my drag mother Jackie's like a, a drag aunt and um I don't know, we were just talking backstage and somebody said the name Roz and I was like, I like that. And I haven't heard that name much nowadays. Like I know it more as a classic name and I love Rosalind Russell and and Roz is the um in Monsters Inc., she's like that receptionist lady that's like, Mike was that like the slug lady. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> like that's representation on, on screen. Yeah. And um, so I was like Roz, I love it. And I was just like Roz Dresvales, and then it stayed. I love it. The rest is history. Um, isn't there? There's a Roz in nine to five, right? Isn't she like? Yes, the, I the believe mean, so. The
1: mean secretary.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. A, to me. It feels like kind of a sassy lady. Yeah. Yeah. She's a broad. Yeah, a broad. She, I mean, there's, there's a refreshing <laughs> lack of pretension.
0: For yeah, Roz. she
2: doesn't have time for because I'm not bullshit. pretentious at all. And like, I get that when you see a drag queen, you want sometimes that fantasy, but. I and I can give it to you in, in certain ways, but for the most part, it's like I'm not trying to to be flawless. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to to give this air of, oh my gosh, I'm this beautiful pageant flawless princess. Like I'm not. Most of us aren't. So for me to be as authentic as possible, I feel like I just kind of have to lean more in the direction of the truth, which is that I'm just a slug lady in an office. Yeah. <laughs> Who are your uh, like comedy icons growing up? Um, wow, I was such a Joan Rivers person. So much. I'm actually so inspired by. Um, Stand up and uh, sketch comedy. I mean, there's always that SNL thing of you know, like when the first cast you fall in love with. And for me, that was um, Molly Shannon, Chris Kattan. You know, that era, Will Ferrell. All those women were so incredible. So I was very inspired by them. And then Mad TV was happening at the time. And like on the weekends, I would stay home and I would um, VHS record one of them and then watch the other. And and then all week I would just study it. And I just was so inspired by those people. And, and I was just comedy central 24 seven. I just, um, yeah i was just so thirsty for any of it you know any mm-hmm. content and then well, as i got older i started realizing like who i like more and i definitely identify with um a lot of female comedians but not necessarily i mean i'm i'm a unique drag queen in the sense that like eddie pepitone is like a big uh inspiration to me oh, or andy genius. kindler or todd glass like those kind of people inspire me and i'm mm-hmm. and i'm very much not that because I come from the comedy club world, I don't know if you know that. I'm I have a show at the Improv, and I've had it for a few years. And I do stand up, and I and I still do stand up as a drag queen. And I get put in w- crazy. I, I mean, I've done shows that Dave Chappelle is in, and Aziz Ansari, and God, I just followed Bill Burr a couple weeks ago as a drag queen. I mean, it's a it's a crazy, weird career that I'm I'm making for myself. <laughs> But then I also, you know, shake and shimmy at the Abbey and and Mickey's. So I'm all over the place. That's why we love you. Uh, We'll take a break and we will be right back. We are back with Raz Hey, We haven't even talked about my outfit today. Okay, so walk us through. Yeah. Okay, so this is um, it's a full bejeweled. It's a bolero jacket, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, you guys can help me describe it. Um, I have also got fully sequined. Sequined. And
0: underneath is, of course, an iconic Lisa Rinna. Yes. (laughs) Yes, jumpsuit. <laughs> yes, it is. Deep jumpsuit. Oh,
2: I'm I'm so surprised that you clacked that because I did put I did glue diamonds to the whole thing. But that's yeah, I and mean, that's me twenty four seven. Now none of that is true, <laughs> but I'm um I am in full face right now. Yes, which you know I par- I had to park down the street on uh, Sunset, which is great. You know it's noon on a Wednesday and. <sighs> It's always fun to remind people, you're in Hollywood. Right, yeah. And if I if I can do that for you, I will. Yeah. You're in Hollywood, honey, and this is just every day. <laughs> but the outfit is giving me Pat Benatar. What I'm wearing right now? Yeah. Um,
1: thank you. Yeah, no, that's a compliment. Yeah. That's about as high a compliment. That's oh, true. As you can get. You're a
2: heartbreaker.
0: Oh, Roz. Speaking of heartbreakers, uh-huh. what is happening in your dating life?
2: Okay, so I just fucked a ghost. No. <laughs> um, I... God, what is going on in my dating life? There hasn't been much going on there. I've been really not focused on it lately. But, yeah, it's it's very interesting to be in, for me personally, being a drag queen has proved to be a turnoff uh, for guys that I'm interested in. Because I tend to be interested in guys that... Um. Yeah, I'm definitely not the kind that likes to turn straight guys or anything like that. Like, I I like a gay guy, Um, I like a fun gay guy, and Mm -hmm. I want to be a fun gay guy with him. Um, So I just, for some reason, those kind of guys, from my experience, not generalizing, they love they they like me a lot. We go on a few dates, and then they see the drag, or I tell them the drag, and then it's just like, oh, where'd you go?
0: Mm. Ghosted.
2: Oh. But Ross Tresviles. To ghosts. Yeah. So, um, currently not dating. I'm on the apps. Don't really... you know, try that hard on them. I love, uh, I spend a lot of time on Grinder. I have to, I also pay for all the premium things just because it's like less ads and you could just see everyone if you're in the mood to like just keep scrolling. And so I have a lot of local pen pals. I have a lot of people that I've talked to many times. Usually I never meet them or... I am at Vaughn's and I see them and then I duck behind a LaCroix tower <laughs> and then I never talk to them again. That's basically my dating life. Um, or, you know, I have tattoos that are on my arms that are kind of like noticeable and recognizable or whatever. So I also have guys that I like talk to on grinder, and then they see me on stage and I'm like, oh, you can tell from the tattoos. Uh-huh. Um, so what is the grinder profile? The grinder profile Um it pretty much says what I just said, I think. It's um, just... Uh, what does it say? Oh, I don't have... I'm on airplane mode. Um, You know, it's... Well, now on Grindr you can put multiple pictures, which mm-hmm. is great. You don't have to, like, ask for pictures. It's just, you know, a fully Facetuned photo of me. <sighs> and it says, um, severe tapaholic, addicted to tapping these hoes. Because I love tap. Do you know about tapping on Grindr? You can just, like... It's just like poking. It's very annoying oh, and okay. very not um mature at all. But it's like It's a
0: way of saying hi without having to
2: Yeah, say. yeah, cuz I'm just like tap, I'm like I don't care. Mm. And usually they don't tap back, but this is uh, this is her. So she is Yeah, it almost looks like me in person. <laughs> um and then yeah, I'm on Tinder. I just deleted Raya because that's annoying. So Raya <sighs> is the one for High-level influencers, right? Yeah. Well, if I'm on Celebs. there, I don't know if that's the case. Right. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's supposed to be, but it's I think it's a lot of Instagram models sure. and people on yachts for whatever reason and mm-hmm. who knows how. Um, but I just didn't like it. It was just too much. It's like you got to watch people. They do like sl- uh, slide shows, and You got to sit through and there's a song. And just, What was your song? I think it was a B-52. Or it might have been a Morrissey. Morrissey and B-52s are like my favorites. So uh, uh, it was probably one of it's probably Rock Lobster or something fun. Fun. Just to let them know, you know, we're here for a good time. A friend of mine is on Raya and is like,
1: I am so sick of Frank Ocean because of Raya. Mm. Everybody's got a Frank Ocean song as uh, oh, the soundtrack to their slideshow.
2: Sexy music. Yeah, that I, Frank Ocean is pretty sexy. Right? Right? What would
0: your song be if you were to create a Raya? Oh, Fuck. That's a good question.
1: Um pra, uh the Kids Bop version of New Rules by uh, Dua Lipa. <laughs> you know? Kids Bop. Is
2: that still a thing Kids Bop? Oh yeah, bigger than ever. Oh no way. Oh yeah. You
0: just interviewed the founder? Yeah.
2: Bob? The creator. Stop it. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, are you guys are you guys both in relationships you are, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. do you have any like single friends that would not yes. mind wiping off, you know, makeup from their pillow every I night. Yeah. I definitely do. Yeah, I definitely yeah. do
0: too. He is an older gentleman.
2: How, what is your, okay. what is your type? Um, you know what? I'm truly, I truly believe that I could fall in love with anybody. But, um, you know, if, if sometimes it, there's other things that hopefully they'll work, but it doesn't always be the, not always the case. But, um, I, uh, I don't, I tend to like uh, Latin guys because I'm Mexican and I I just, I don't know, there's something about them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're spicy. And, um, but I'm very, I'm pretty open. I just, I tend to feel the need to be with a creative or somebody that um, has their own thing going on and can relate to this weird lifestyle Yeah. So I have a hard time relating to people that just aren't a part of it, which kind of sucks in a way. I'm so jealous of some of my friends that have boyfriends or girlfriends that are like in a completely different world, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I'm in this world because I chose it because I love it and I've always wanted to be a part of it. And it's just such such a huge part of not just what I do for a living, but it's just my interests and it's what I like to talk about. And, and uh, I'm sure there are people I could find that aren't a part of, uh, entertainment or art. Um, but, uh, I haven't found them yet and I haven't, I mean, I haven't found anyone. I'm open, I'm open, but I just tend to be attracted to people that are already like performers or creators of some sort. Right. Yeah. Uh, is there an age limit? Ah! Uh- I did date a guy that was twice my age and there was definitely a power dynamic that I wasn't interested in that um, I don't believe would be the case for every relationship, but um, I could see it being, because I found it, I, I'll just tell you, I was born in 1990, I'm 28. Oh my God. There's people, yeah, but listen, I find myself saying that. I find myself I was talking to a kid That was 20 Oh my god Okay He was born in 1998 Oh my god I said, honey, you are—you have never lived in a ginger spice world. Yeah. yeah. Ever. You don't know anything. I can't relate to these. I mean, they are a completely different generation So, because they had Instagram, they had access to Grindr, they had gay YouTube celebrities in high school, you know, all these things when they were so much younger than me, which I know that generations above me are uh, had it harder as a gay man, but I did have it in a much different way than people that are only, you know, eight years younger than me. So I have already found that there's some differences in, in in a big age gap as the older person. That it's it's it only makes sense for when I date someone that's older to mm-hmm. to sometimes have generational differences. Mm. But um, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. I got a couple ideas.
1: Okay. Yeah, I do too. Um, all right. You, you mentioned uh, wiping the makeup off at the end of the night. Is that? This is a very personal question. You don't have to answer, and we can cut it all out.
0: Okay
2: when it comes time for hooking up. Yeah. I don't do it in drive. Okay. Yeah. I've I've, always wondered. I've never been interested in that. And I wish I was because I, I have such a, uh, so much experience performing in quote unquote mainstream straight audiences, uh, venues, you know, bars, uh, comedy clubs. And I get these guys that are like, Hey girl. Uh, (laughs) but that was a pretty gay thing to say. No, but they're (laughs) like, Hey baby girl. And, uh, And I just can't do it. I'm just not interested. I don't know. They're
0: saying that when you are in drag, they're saying, Hey baby girl. Well, I
2: highly doubt that they want what else. I mean, they want what's in front of them. They're men. Um, I don't want to be, I've said to them before, listen, I don't look like this, but also again, I'm not into the straight guys. Um, but I've I've joked around with them like I'll, I'll take all this up, but this is happening here and this is there, and none of this is real. Uh-huh. These aren't even my real butt cheeks. These are, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm just I'm not really interested in doing that. I wish I was, but I really truly view my drag as clowning and my father funny enough was a professional clown and so from a very young age I learned about putting on thick makeup and my dad wore makeup and wigs and and I learned the difference between the clown and my father and so I've always kind of had a separation I mean it is the same personality at the end of the day but when I have it all on I am a full you know i'm i'm not my full i'm a heightened version of myself yeah, you know right. so i don't view it as uh, you know like in a sexual way or anything yeah. you know what was your dad's clown name i won't say oh i won't say i know i've been asked that before and it's just you like tell us privately no, yeah i will he's okay. still out there he's still doing it and it's it's uh god but it, how does he feel about Roz? he gets it And Which is cool. I'm very fortunate to have that. My mom was a little uh, not so sure about it for a while. Um, But he gets it. He totally understands what what I'm doing here, which I'm so lucky.
1: What was your uh, first relationship like? When was it?
2: Okay. I had a weird one in high school, which was sort of a situation of one. There was one gay kid in the school and you know i guess it's like well we're, we've got each other yeah. and um so it wasn't great uh but i did have i've only really had one i had a 2 year and a 6 month the 2 year um was early 20s the best guy in the world amazing i was so selfish i had no clue how to treat other people i was just like he was just so good to me and I was terrible and he was the full package. He was everything I wanted. And, um, finally he just got over it. And, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I so learned how to treat people. And I'm also a sober person. That's something else, uh, with dating for me. I'm a sober person. And in that time I was not. So it was a huge eye opener. And, um, because of that, it I, I had to get to a place where I'm like, I'm not someone I would want to date right now. So how about I work on becoming someone that I that I would want to date, you know? And someone that has stuff going on, someone that has this, some kind of uh, spiritual practice or, you know, some kind of motivation in their life. I really didn't have that for a long time. And um, now I've found that. And uh, and now I'm I guess I'm open to being out there. I'm not trying hard, but I'm open to it. Yeah. You're on this podcast. It's the first step. Do people get DMs from oh, yeah. this? all the time? You gosh. know, I went on Nicole Byers' podcast, which is "Why Won't You Date Me?" and honey, I still my inbox still lights up. Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> never people that live here. Oh, I've got 18 boyfriends in other countries. Uh, oh, that would be I don't, great when you travel. Never met any of them, but um, no one here.
1: That's nice, though.
0: Well, that will all change when this episode comes out. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I want to ask you guys, have you had ghost experiences going back to Ghosted? I have, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I Yeah, I choose to believe that I have, yeah.
0: What is it? I don't know that I no? know this you story. Have I not told you this? I don't
2: think so. You'll have to tune in to Ghosted when you come on. No, okay. It. No,
0: tell it.
1: Um, it. Uh, there was a kid who, um, our senior year of, of high school, I went to a small all-boys school. They were like... F- 50 people in our class and one of them uh on the last day of spring break was killed in a car accident. Oh no. And and so and it was just as everyone was coming back into town and so everyone sort of gathered at the at the school and um and it boiled down to me and my best friend who had been very close with this guy as well. I mean we all were. It was a small school. But we um we like went to the chapel and there was a huge wide open parking lot, right, to get to the chapel. And it was it was at night. Everyone else was gone. We went to the chapel to, like, light a candle. And and on our way in, there was a, a lamppost. And this, this guy, who we had never seen, was in a, uh, a blue—the school was called Priory—in a blue Priory T-shirt, jams, like Hawaiian shirt, but shorts, mm-hmm. jams, mm-hmm. and Converse high tops. And he lit a cigarette, and he just kind of smiled at us. And we didn't know who he was, which is weird, because it's a very small community. He wasn't like— The child of of faculty or anything—it was just like, who is this person who's roughly our age? It was just, and it was this weird, reassuring smile. And so we didn't really think about it, and we walked in, and we both turned around before we walked into the chapel, and the guy was just gone. gone. There was nowhere for him (sighs) to have gone, because it was a huge, wide-open space. So months later, uh, we graduated, and Mike, the the guy who had passed his girlfriend, came to our graduation, and we were all, you know, everyone was kind of friendly with each other. And we got to talking to her and she said, I, he had left her house in his car before he got into this accident. So she was like the last person that he saw. And she said, I, I will never forget like seeing him for the last time. He had his blue Priory t-shirt on and his jams and his Converse high tops. And he lit a cigarette as he was getting into his car and he just smiled at me and closed the door and drove
2: off. And it was just like, in that moment we were like, well, that was, you had a paranormal experience. I think so. But he looks different. I mean, you didn't it wasn't his him. face. It wasn't his face. Oh
1: wow! Yeah, it I wonder so many face. things
2: about ghosts. That's a yeah. lot of what I talk about with my guests. Is you know, can you um, choose what outfit you want to wear? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, what would you guys wear if you were ghosts? If I died today, I this age forever? Yeah. Do you get mm-hmm. to choose that? Yeah. I want to believe that you can cosplay you know like i I want to be of different eras yes so that people will be so confused yes Uh, i want people guessing in the afterlife i'm happy
0: to be this but just a little bit of work done little fill little yank here (laughs) a little tug there bathrobe done (laughs) oh nice comfy yeah
1: terry or velvet
0: terry terry yeah with us
1: have you had a uh a paranormal experience
0: no, and I wanted one so badly that's why I'm excited to, to listen to your show because I love the stories and uh-huh. I, I i I was like looking for one wherever I could find one as a kid yeah. and I never could I, I, I had one friend whose whose dad claimed to be a ghost hunter and it turns out he was just <laughs> like deeply mentally ill oh. but, um, and we would have like sleepovers at her house and that he would take us out on expeditions and no way. all of, and this is southern Ohio like where there are a lot of like Crybaby's Bridge and there's a, oh you know, every town's got something like that yeah and so there were a lot of scary nights where we would go out and park the car and turn off the lights and turn it off and roll down the windows and listen for the the sound of the mom who's crawling up over the bridge to save her baby yeah. or you know there's always a folklore thing that totally like you get on the drive there and so there were a couple things that happened on those that I couldn't explain to you that were at the time our reaction was so outsized and teenage and just big screams and like
2: you it's know. a lot like fishing, you know, yeah. like it's a lot of just sitting around, you wait waiting. What was that? Yeah, um, but I'm starting to do more ghost hunting, which is terrifying. Where do you but- go? Oh, honey, I got a place for you. Yeah? There is this uh, man that lives on Cielo Drive. He was a guest oh. on my show. He lives on Cielo Drive, the infamous... Super- Men's and Murders. Yep, the very private, quiet road. Just two... I think it's two houses down. It's its very, very close to the house, where the house used to be. And um, it's just a hotbed of all different kinds of ghosts. Um, it's, you know, it's been described by... It's been on all the, the ghost TV shows. It's been... All the top psychics have been there, and it seems like, uh, from what he's told me, it seems like it's just sort of a, a place that ghosts kind of come in and out of on their way to the other side, or who knows what. And there are some, a couple of mainstays that are kind of always there, uh, Sharon Tate being one of them, and he hosts these uh, little ghost hunt barbecues at the house, and I'm going this Saturday, and... Um, yeah, we're going to be there for six hours. I went for two hours and it was a terrifying. And I mean, but he did assure me and everyone, a lot of people that were there were regulars and they're like, listen, these are all good spirits. There's no bad energy. So that made me feel better, but. I can't believe I forgot this, but that just reminded me that I used to dog
0: sit for a family that lives on Cielo no drive. Way. as close because the actual house is gone. But it's uh, it's pretty much as close as you can get to the, the old property without being on the property of Sharon Tate's old yeah. house. And I didn't know that the first time that I signed up to go sit there. And my best friend, Aaron, was with me. You said
2: ghost sit? You said ghost sit. sit.
0: Oh. oh, wow. What a slip. Dog sit. I was ghost sitting and dog sitting, it turns Ooh.
2: out.
0: So my best friend Aaron and I were there. And, there. and this is, you've been up there. There's no foot traffic. There's no, no one's oh, walking no. up. By, you know, this is up away in the hills. and It's so, way
2: up there. If something was to go down. It's, and there was a night that um,
0: we... It was first night g- g- house sitting there. I almost said ghost sitting again. Had just learned where I was and was already signed up to spend the night there and made my friend stay with me. Doorbell rings. Dogs start barking, going crazy. It's 9 p.m. We're like, who the fuck oh, did we go no. to the door? No one's there. We, and there was just no – and we, I look outside. There, and there's just nowhere for anyone to have gone. There's, and, there's, and it's not a neighborhood where someone can walk by and ring a doorbell and walk well, that away. That is so
2: scary. Them. Is so, it a big was a big house? Yeah. Being in a big house by yourself in the no, hills is scares me. Yeah. I never want that. I I house sat a big house in the hills one time and just every sound I heard what was that?
0: Uh, They're just made for murder those houses.
2: Spooky. <laughs> Roz. Thank you for doing this. I'm so yeah, excited to you check guys out. Thank you guys for doing it. Enjoy. Yeah, I hope that people will listen to the podcast. Yeah, for ghosted. Sure. I mean, it's something that you know, even if you don't believe in it, I think it's still fun. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 another thing that I want to show with the show is that I'm having that all kinds of people can have these experiences. It is not you know just not 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 any one group of people. I mean, and it kind of lets you know this is we're not crazy. Like this happens. You know, it happens to all kinds of people. So I hope that. Um, People will check it out. There's something for everyone. And I hope that you'll date me, whoever you are.
1: Oh, they will. Mm-hmm. They will. <laughs> it's
2: coming. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Ross. Thank you, Ross. Thank you.
1: Folks, we are back with Alexander Chi direct from Vermont. New Hampshire. Where are you?
3: Uh New Hampshire today. It's, okay. I'm right on the border uh-huh okay Dartmouth College is sort of uh it's in New Hampshire and then many of us live in Vermont gotcha
0: wow this is our first Skype interview ever by the way we should tell the listeners I'm oh sure it sounds okay. brilliant and they won't even notice but it's a thrilling <laughs> first for homophilia okay so
3: I'm what proud to, to to trailblaze
0: yeah what
1: uh what, what are your days looking like now you're teaching
3: Yes. Uh, when the Dartmouth term is in session, it is intense. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm teaching. Uh, today today's an office hours day. I have had two meetings this morning with uh, thesis students, and I'll have meetings this afternoon with, um, with my students in my other classes. So. If any
0: students need to pop in during this, just tell us to shush, and we'll eavesdrop while <laughs> you have your meeting. And we'll get a real glimpse behind the scenes. Yeah.
3: I'm not sure that's how that works. <laughs>
0: so do you have
1: a lot of free time? Um
3: I no. No. <laughs> not not really. I mean, uh my time is largely my own responsibility and and in that time I have many things to do. So um uh so I don't know that I would call it free time right now. I am trying to work less to take on fewer uh, assignments during the term, uh, especially mm-hmm. um, because I I tend to, uh, I just tend to overcommit. I don't know. Is this boring?
1: Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> okay. uh, what are the classes that you are teaching?
3: Uh, I'm teaching a, a course uh, called literature of migration. And then another course, that's an intermediate fiction writing class.
1: Okay. Oh, cool. What's on your uh, syllabus in the uh, fiction writing class?
3: Mm. Well, we're going to read Toni Morrison's Sula next. Uh, We just finished up with uh, Margaret Atwood's Cat's Eye, which is a favorite novel of mine, which I talk about in the essay collection. Um. And, uh, what else? We're also reading Charles Baxter's Burning Down the House, essays about fiction writing. And I think at some point we're going to be reading Milan Kundera's The Curtain, uh, which is a sort of more, uh, conceptual book about writing novels. Oh, cool. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I
0: want to take this class. Yeah. May I Skype in for that?
3: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Uh, what are you reading now? for For pleasure, or does that is that even a thing?
3: <clears throat> well, uh, I am reading actually I'll, for pleasure. Ninety nine glimpses of Princess Margaret.
1: Do mm.
3: okay. you know this one? I don't. Deal. Uh, it's sure by Craig Craig Brown, and it's a, a sort of so princess. It's about how Princess Margaret was uh, allowed to be interesting because Queen Elizabeth had to be dull. Mm. <laughs> like, like when you're the queen, you sort of you are really not supposed to be colorful. You're supposed to be the queen, right? Um, so uh, her sort of mix of personality and uh rebellion and prestige uh just made her one of the most documented of the royals so it's a so the book is about like ninety nine times that she shows up in different sort of historical documents novels biographies um and it's a fascinating portrait of her through those
1: Are you a royal uh, watcher by uh by nature
3: um well not exactly I mean I think uh, I have a fondness for Princess Margaret um, that developed pretty intensely during uh, uh, during the crown Uh um, where the Princess Margaret episodes were just like they were the greatest episodes no offense to anyone else on the show but (laughs) um. So so this book just kind of seemed like a natural outgrowth of that fascination with her. Uh-huh. I'm not, I don't know that I'm a royal watcher, per se. I would say I do like A Princess in Trouble.
1: <laughs> Who are some good princesses in trouble throughout history or literature?
3: <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, well, I guess I sort of... I sort of wrote in the queen of the night, my second novel, I wrote about, um, uh, the princess Metternich who was a, she's a, she's a minor character in the novel, but she was a major part of the court of Napoleon the third. Um, they, she was a friend of, uh, the emperor and empress and was often at their parties. Um, and there, as well as their, uh, they would have these um, month long get togethers out at the autumn palace and they would have some guests who would come uh, like different guests each week. And then some guests would come for the whole season. And the princess Metternich was often part of the group who could stay for the whole season. Uh, and she was stylish and uh, a little abrupt and uh, had very sharp opinions and was a kind of a fun character to write. Um, she, obviously saw that the empire was doomed before the emperor and empress did. And that made her a very interesting character to me that she would basically be like at all their parties and sort of thinking like, well, this won't last long. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so uh, I don't know that she was exactly a princess in trouble. Then um, the empress uh, herself also was fascinating to me because she was, sort of the the dog that caught the car, as it were. That's probably too harsh a way of thinking of it. But like, <clears throat> when the emperor was a bachelor, uh, he was the biggest get in Europe. Everyone wanted to marry him. and uh, And she somehow was the person who managed it. And she won the instant enmity of so many people as a result. And so she... She became a, a very sort of lonely person in a way, you know, um, because she was so envied, even though he just cheated on her relentlessly. So, hmm.
0: so I'm assuming you've made your way through The Crown. Anything yes. else on, your, uh, on the queue in terms of binge watching?
3: What am I watching for TV? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, I don't know. I guess, well, I'm watching The Magician's Uh, which is uh, it's nice to have that back Um,
0: this is not the Rebecca Romaine sci-fi, no, sorry, that's the librarians, different different (laughs) (laughs) magic but it may be the same network
1: yeah, what what is Uh
0: The Magicians?
3: Um, The Magicians is based on uh, a series of, a a trilogy of novels um, that came out uh, in the in the last decade, sort of um, spoofing uh, C.S. Lewis and uh, and uh, Harry Potter, kind of simultaneously the the Narnia books and the Harry Potter books, it kind of fuses them into a story about um, uh, a troubled young magician who uh, is invited to uh to become a part of this like um exclusive school for wizards in upstate new york um and uh he discovers that you know the the author of his favorite books uh, about the that he thought were fantasy novels that he was actually writing about a real place and real people and that uh that sort of sets him off on a journey to that place. Um, So it's kind of like, uh, if Harry Potter had like cell phones and Hmm, uh, drugs and alcohol and, uh, a lot of sex. Yeah. (laughs) Great. um,
1: Were you into that kind of story growing up like that? The, the idea of being plucked from
3: a a drab life into, into oh, yeah. Colorful. Absolutely. Um, it was the X-Men, though. Yeah. But yes. What was your era of X-Men? Um. So I actually, I started reading pretty much when they did the massive reboot with Krakoa. And, um, you know, the old the old original team was caught and the captive of a island that turned out to also be a mutant. Uh-huh. Um, And so that's when Professor X goes around the world to find a new team of X-Men and he finds Storm, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, so many of the characters that we, uh, Colossus, that we associate now with the X-Men. So it was the forming of that team. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think it was... I definitely have written about waiting for professor X to show up at my door.
1: Sure. Sure. (laughs) I think that's a common experience. Yeah. So Uh, what else uh, did you grow up on pop culture wise? What kind of music did you listen to?
3: Uh, I was a sort of, um, I mean, I was very much a child of the seventies in some ways. And that like, you know, The first album I bought with my own money was uh, Elvis's Greatest Hits. Yeah, nice. Um, And then uh, I remember uh, when I was 16 going to the Georgetown summer session for high school juniors, and I had two tape cassettes. That I was listening to all the time. And it was Duran Duran, Seven and the Ragged Tiger, and Death Classic. Leopard, Pyromania. Oh, boy.
1: They, oh, that's good stuff. That holds up.
3: Yeah. Basically, um, stripper songs.
1: Sure. Yeah. Sure.
3: <laughs> so, um, but that was the summer I discovered New Wave. And um, I was in D.C. for the summer. And it was like my it was like my gay John Hughes film, where like I had a roommate. Who, his name is Chris, and on the first day, he, like, looked me over. And, you know, he was, like, this cool kid from Long Island who was the first person I'd seen who had a braided tail. Uh Um, And he was, like, you've got a lot of potential, but you need a little work. (laughs) (laughs) And then a makeover montage kicked in. Exactly, yes. So we went to a hair salon called Bubbles. Um, where I, 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 left with like, I went in with like wavy side part hair and I left with like, uh, a kind of James Dean brush cut. Um, and, uh, and then we went to commander salamander Get and, of town. uh, got all of these, like, you know, choose life t-shirts and like the rubber band bracelets and, the Chuck Taylors and, all that stuff. And so by the time everyone in the program met me, they thought I had just always been this, like, new wave kid. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I sort of met him first, and then we left to get my makeover, basically, like, immediately. Right. That was job one. So
1: What a summer.
3: Yeah, and then we just spent the summer going out to clubs like Posers and Tracks. Um, uh, I wasn't... I was, like... I was in this sort of weird liminal space where like I had actually had a kind of a boyfriend, like a secret boyfriend, just like a guy that I would have sex with as you know, like we were the same age in high school, but we would never talk about it. Um, I had one of those. And, and then Chris was like, he seemed to be hanging out a lot with this other kid in the program who was this beautiful boy from Puerto Rico uh I think his name was Franco. And he like like I would wake up in the morning and uh Chris would be sleeping under the sheet and Franco would be sleeping on top of the sheet. And I'm like, oh that's so cute. They fell asleep talking. Hmm. And only later when they broke up did I learn that a lot more was going on in the room yeah. while I was <laughs> So Anyway,
0: well, I want to talk about what was going on on your side of the room, uh, but we'll take a quick (laughs) quick break and we'll come back and get into that. Sounds good.
1: We're back with Alexander Chi, fan of Seven and the Ragged Tiger. (laughs) <laughs> um have you have you tried to do an analysis of those lyrics never yeah never. they they don't hold up to analysis really can you give me a they sampling just it's like
3: a kind of it's like a porridge of meaning i yeah. don't know it doesn't you know, uh even is it save a prayer it's yeah. probably like the best song right
1: yeah I, i'd go
3: yeah um I don't know.
1: Yeah, the, um, uh, a sample lyric from Seven and the Ragged Tiger, shake up the picture, the lizard mixture with your dance on the eventide. <laughs> Gorgeous. What does is, what is any of that mean? Why is the reflex a lonely child who's waiting in the park? Exactly. I, I've never learned that in
3: adulthood. But you can sing it with so much force, say, in karaoke.
1: Sure. Hmm.
3: Um, or try. Uh, and, yeah, it's just nonsense. It's gorgeous nonsense. Uh, gorgeous nonsense.
0: Yes. Um, okay, gorgeous. so let's get into it. Um, yes. Um, what is your current relationship status?
3: Married. Ah. Uh, Congratulations. Married for thank you for just over two years now. We've been together uh, nine years. It seems like it's. Wow. It seems like it should be longer, but nine years. Uh, his name is Dustin. Um, How'd you meet Justin Dustin? Bell. I met Dustin. Uh... <laughs> so, sorry, I'm laughing because it's a, it's kind of, a, it's a little bit of a story, and the moral of the story is that Oprah was right. Okay, uh, It's right. my anyway, favorite
0: kind of story. We're buckled in.
3: So it was uh, March of 2009, and I was standing in line at Whole Foods looking at the cover of O Magazine uh, and Oprah had like some cards photoshopped in her hand and she was dressed like a gypsy and uh, the headline said, change your luck. You know. And at that point I had been single for a while and I had like, I had tried all of the things. Like I had joined the gay bowling league, I had gone out on dates with all of the gay professors in town, I had even got a missed date. I had like really given it a shot. Wow.
1: Hold on. Can we um, can we get into the missed connection date? <laughs> yeah. Then we'll come back to the O magazine. Yeah. Oprah will sure. suck us back in. But a missed connection date. Please explain.
3: Do you wait? Do you guys not know what those are?
0: Oh no. Why well, are you talking about from Craigslist, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, so were you the? Did you post or respond to the missed connection?
3: Um, I. Uh, I posted it, and uh, and he responded. What was it? Yeah, yeah. what was it? It was just. Um, it was. He was just like this uh, really handsome guy that I had seen. when We had kind of like locked eyes at. it um, <laughs> was like a hardware store yeah. or something. <laughs> really uh, uh, mundane. And was not Home Depot, but like that. And so I just, I posted an ad basically being really specific about the time and whatnot. And, uh, and he responded and we had a great first date and then a truly terrible second date. Oh, like, why? Why really terrible? Uh, uh, for whatever reason, um, he and his ex were texting and I was like, um, during the day, yeah. Oh Jesus! Not cool. <laughs> no, not cool. And that's when I was like, "So this is not going well." I think you have some things on your mind.
1: Uh-huh. So you okay. then changed your luck.
3: Yeah, I mean, with that kind of luck, so it's one kind of luck to like have a successful misconnection state, right?
4: Right.
3: Um, but uh, but then another kind for it to go wrong almost immediately. So the article was basically about, like, uh, these kinds of magazine advice things. Uh, some of the stories in it, uh, and there was a woman who met her husband because she went to a different dry cleaner
4: mm.
3: than the one she normally went to. And I thought, well, there's only one good dry cleaner in Amherst. <laughs> so I can't do that. I was living in Amherst because I was at Amherst College at the time as their visiting writer. I didn't say that and um anyway so the the article's main advice was to think of something that you uh, would normally not do in the pursuit of your goals like for whatever reason you would just exclude it as the as the path um and whether it was uh embarrassing or you just didn't think of it or uh or you were skeptical you had to choose one of those things and then before you did it, you had to decide to be lucky. It's a little bit like The Secret. You had to decide to be lucky and that the action would take... And so set off a chain reaction that would lead to the fulfillment of your goals. So I had noticed that I would be on Facebook and have these like short fantasy relationships with guys through their profile.
4: Hmm,
3: you know, sure. Where I would like click on a profile and and like think they were cute imagine a possible future for us and then not even flirt with them because it was too humiliating it was Facebook like who could take me seriously if I flirted with them on Facebook that was my rationale yeah um and and so I just I decided that was the thing that I had to do I had to like find somebody whose profile I thought was interesting and attractive and with them basically so um, Dustin at the time he had his profile photo was just like his wrist uh, which has a star tattoo on it um, shot through the side view mirror of a car and I remember I just liked the picture but I also remember thinking like um, uh, I had the feeling of like a road trip And I, I like road trips. Um, and, and also I have a theory, which is that only cute guys get star tattoos. So that's like, um, so I clicked through to his profile. I didn't know his photos were open. Uh, he's, he's very handsome. Uh, he's very handsome. So I was immediately like, Oh, okay. Um, and so then I started checking out his profile. I had some other criteria that I had to satisfy. Like, um, uh, he was openly gay and openly single. Um, and he was, he's a filmmaker. So he was going around to festivals, uh, with, uh, with one of his films. And, uh, and he was in, in his photos, he was in these different places that, I liked uh, often making like incredible food, uh, so Barcelona, Provincetown, Berlin, the south of France, um, the Costa Brava, and there were a lot of the same people in the photos, which suggested that he could maintain an emotional bond, which you can't um, you can't just like assume that with guys. Um, so, having met those criteria it felt safe to introduce myself so i wrote him this like uh somewhat somewhat formal i suppose by facebook standards uh but intentionally funny email where i said you know there's 15 people we have in common 10 of them are people i actually know and really like here's how i know them and i listed uh the ways and then i said i think we should be friends you know and nice approach Thank you. And he wrote back and he said, you have me at Louisa (laughs) and accepted my friend request. So Louisa was a friend of ours who mutual friend of ours who had, I did not know this. had Like when I met her five years earlier, she had come home from McDowell, gone to see her best friend Dustin and said, I met the guy who's perfect for you. His name's Alexander Chi." And at the time, Dustin was like, all right, like bring him on. Let's meet him. And she said, he lives in Rochester with his boyfriend, Mike. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so he was like, all right, whatever. But he, he made a mental note as he puts it. He folded over that, uh,
0: little, uh, earmark. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So when I wrote to him and said, Louisa McDowell, You know, uh, in that list of like people I knew that we had in common, etc., he was like, "Oh, this is the guy that's supposed to be perfect for me." And so basically, Oprah is right.
0: It's
1: kismet. It's really good. And
3: (laughs) may I ask, what happened to Mike? By the way. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, let's just say different priorities.
1: Gotcha. Mm -hmm.
3: What was your priority? We don't have to ask about him. but um, You know, I think it's hard when you're both uh, in academia and uh, trying to, like, there's this way in which the job market is a little bit like the, um, the Peace Corps, hmm. where you just, you don't know where you're going to end up, you know. Um, and it puts a lot of pressure uh, on couples, where if someone get, gets a job, uh and someone else doesn't get a job or you know doesn't like their job you know you have to, you have to make certain decisions about like are you going to be long distance or is are you going to try to you know travel and be what's called a trailing spouse mm. you know where you ask the other institution to like find work for your spouse or even make a position so um those things are all really I mean, luckily Dustin is entirely indifferent to, uh, he, he does not want to teach. Uh, he is not like interested in, uh, in this. So, um, so it's not, that's not a part of things. Right. You know,
1: I appreciate the depth, uh, of your online relationships with strangers because I find myself doing that too. You can really develop a full, you can get to know somebody fully through their Facebook or Instagram. You can have fights with them. You can, you know, and a relationship can have a full arc and you never really actually meet. Sometimes you don't even interact. You just yeah. have that, that uh, response to their posts. Yeah. You just look, was that, was that something you were doing uh, a good amount of?
3: Um, you know, I think, uh, so when you're a visiting writer, you move around a lot and the social media became a way to like, hold on to or or maintain friendships at a distance while you were in a new environment, say where you didn't know people. So, um, so it just kind of like became a, a part of things. And it's, it's now the case where you know, I have to remind myself to like go out and see my actual friends, um, do things. You know that like uh, that sort of passive uh, experience of them online is not. Uh, you know, it's not. It, f- it can feel real, but it's it's better to actually like yeah. go and hang out. Right, Lawrence Rand, the publicist Lawrence Rand and I. She's a friend of mine. We used to have these parties in New York, uh, which were kind of like meet your Twitter feed yeah, parties, um, like at the Ace Hotel lobby, um, bar and, uh, you know, it's, that was 2009, 2010 when we were doing that. Uh-huh. So it's so much, so much past that now.
1: It was yeah. back when Twitter could be enjoyable. Imagine
3: <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean I, I was on Twitter when you were like texting your yeah. tweet to, to 404040, oh, yeah yeah yeah
1: those were the days. Mm. Um, I want to get back to your summers. you had interesting summers in your uh, in your upbringing. You write about uh, a summer in Mexico and mm-hmm. uh, write an autobiographical novel and it is such it's so beautiful you really capture thank you you really capture you were 12, 11, 12.
3: But uh, no, a little older. Uh, let's see. I think I was in Mexico when I was 15. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: but still yeah. in it like a, a transitional age, you know, where, mm-hmm. where some, you know, there's some of your peers are becoming
0: sexual. Yes. It's uh it's a really, it's. And you were as well. That sounds like, cause I mean, this overlapping. I was One at least you,
3: really, Interested, <laughs> right? So
0: this is pre the the non boyfriend boyfriend.
3: Uh oh, true. Yeah, he was not in Mexico, but it's true that that was. I guess that was right around then. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, tell us what that summer was like for you in Mexico.
3: Um. Well, you know, it's inter- It was interesting to watch Roma uh, yeah. and think about. Uh, am thinking about the Mexico that I met when I was there in like 1982, you know, um, it was a, I, it's part of my affection for, uh, Itumama Tambien also, is that okay. I feel like I see that world that I visited, um, when I watch those films, um, uh, you know, my, my family in Mexico had a, uh, had a, a maid much like the one in Roma who you know her name was Panchita and she would cook for me uh, during the day these little like treats uh, and we'd sit in the kitchen and watch telenovelas right. and that was like how I, how I learned Spanish. Yes <laughs> wow. that was like my that was like my school um, cause they didn't have us taking classes. We were like, we were taking field trips, uh, to various historical sites, uh, and, and then just like kind of going to the country club during the day to swim. And, uh, and so it was, it was weirdly a listless kind of summer program in that sense.
1: Yeah. I love the way you describe becoming <laughs> fluent in Spanish, just from that immersion in those telenovelas. And being able to fit in uh, to your Mexican sort of milieu in a way that you hadn't in the states.
3: Yeah, it was a you know it was a, a powerful experience of um, belonging that surprised me uh, when it happened. You know, the the game that summer with my host family was was like. You know, could I pass myself off as Mexican? That's what they wanted. They were explicitly hoping that I would I would pass as Mexican. <laughs> and, <clears throat> you know, as my Spanish developed, they were so proud of, of themselves because they had worked really hard to uh, insist that they would not speak English to me. Right. Like, if I wanted things, I had to speak in Spanish. So... Um, uh, it was, and you know, it was a. It made it really fun in a way. It made it kind of uh, there was a certain comedy to it, and they, you know, they were never stern uh, taskmasters regarding it, but they just made, would make it a kind of teasing game, you know, right. learning Spanish. Right.
1: So, hmm. and then a summer or two later,
3: DC. Yes, uh, that is not in the essay collection. That DC story, but because that's uh, a book it in itself, essay. I would imagine. It kind of—I mean, I should just like make it into a movie. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes, please. <laughs>
3: so this story, I, <laughs> I had this kind of like full circle moment where, so like that summer, there was this uh, friend, and we had this little group of kids it was the Georgetown summer session for high school juniors. And we would go out to the clubs together and kind of look out for each other. Like one of us would always go back and, you know, after we got into the clubs and had our hands marked, um, one of us would go back to the dorms and lay our IDs out under the doors of the dorm. Um, cause that was how our RA checked to see that we were in. Yeah. And then we would leave the fire stairs open. Like we would crack it open somehow and hopefully, no one would like shut it. Hmm. And so that was how we would sneak back in after uh, curfew, at, like after a night at the clubs. And uh, one of those, one of the, one of that crew looked. She looked so much like Molly Ringwald. Wow. She was like this beautiful, slender, redheaded girl from London, who was very chic, and she could do that kind of graceful dance that we did back in the 80s i don't even know that it ever had a name but like you were sort you would sort of like sway uh and move backwards uh-huh. as you dance to the backbeat of the song um and she would move her arms in these kind of like graceful ways and uh yeah she was it was like our own molly
1: hmm.
3: um so that was what really made it feel like a johnny's film to be sure. honest um but five.
1: just all duckies. One Molly, all duckies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I mean there were like um that's hilarious. There were a lot of it was a very strange group of us at those at the club. So it was like my roommate Chris, his uh his boyfriend Fran. Uh he's like is it, uh there was this Really awesome Korean American girl from LA. Uh, this kind of like uh, uh, cued uh, uh, sort of. He became a really powerful political consultant, so I won't name him. Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> I like gave him a I gave him a shout out the other day on Twitter, and he hasn't responded yet. So <laughs> I don't know if he wants to acknowledge our past as like DC club rats in the eighties. <laughs> um, but whatever. Uh, did you know, you, I'm about, sorry, sorry, go, go ahead.
1: ahead. Go ahead. I
3: was just going to say it was a magical, like tracks. It was my favorite nightclub ever. Um, what were they playing at the time? Lots and lots of house music. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. So, um, at tracks specifically, but although tracks would have like several dance floors, and there would be different DJs, uh, and because it was like this arena with many rooms, there was like a sand pit where you could play volleyball uh-huh. and get cheese fries from a like a food stand. Um, uh, you know, it was it was it was big. Um, there was a lot to do at tracks. So, uh,
1: and that summer did you yourself uh like did you did you date did you fall
3: in love um i did not date anybody that summer i don't think i was in love with anyone i mean i had this i had this kind of like obsession with our ra i remember who was this really hot uh tennis player and um you know, it was DC in the summer in the dorms. Like, uh, he just would walk around without a shirt all the time. And I was just kind of like paying a lot of attention to that. But no, I wasn't dating anybody and I wasn't particularly in love. Um, I, uh, I did have like a, I was, because I was still sort of closeted, I had like a, um, I was hanging out a lot with this one young woman who was in the page program and, uh, and I met actually her roommate was the writer, Paula Bomer, actually. Um, And sometimes Paula and I like, remember the old days. Um, uh, The pages were in the same dorm as us. So like we, we would get to know them through that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chris's ex-boyfriend uh, friend, he like, at one point he said, we have to talk, Alex, it's really important. And I was like, all right, we'll talk. And we went into the stairs, which is where we all had our private conversations at. And he said, uh, I have something I really have to tell you. And I was like, all right, what is it? He said, I think you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so unprepared for that to be the thing that he wanted to say. Um, and so I I also wasn't ready to be out for some reason, so I just was like, well, I think I'd be the first to know, yeah. you know which that means it's own kind of joke. <laughs> um, And uh, and, you know, he said, uh, well, what about all those GQ magazines? <laughs> and right. I was like, I just like fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um,
1: looking for grooming tips. That yeah, doesn't mean anything. I just look at like $8,000 suits. <laughs>
3: <clears throat> yeah. They had those, those are the days when they had those, like, Uh, those underwear catalog, yes. the back. Yep.
0: International mail.
3: Truly. International Um, mail.
0: Did you
1: ever get an international mail catalog?
3: (sighs) Oh, good question. No, I don't think I ever did. You would remember. You would remember.
1: (laughs) You would remember. Um, I never did, but I, someone had one somewhere. Uh, did you ever, um, Blair Magazine had the best uh, the best description of the underwear models in the uh, International Mail Catalog. First of all, uh, do you do you are you familiar with Blair Magazine? There's an early like webzine. There are maybe six uh, cop not copies um, issues. Uh, I'll I'll send you a link. It is okay. it is right. fantastic mid 90s internet queer art um but their their deep dive into the international mail catalog was that uh because it's all these crazy briefs right and their take is the models all have the same three potatoes stuffed down the front of them <laughs> in the same permutation like it's just it's a bulge that is so unnatural and yet if you saw it at a certain point in your life as i did indelible
0: yep
3: Indelible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Signature international
0: mail. Yeah. Three potatoes.
1: So after being, uh, after having someone, uh, come you out to you, (laughs) like, did that change your perspective?
3: So, uh, (laughs) I, I went home and wrote a play about, uh, two roommates, uh, and, a college dorm who like, you know, one is gay and one is straight quote unquote. Uh Um, it was a terrible play, but it was picked for like, it was picked for a stage reading at the Portland stage company was, I had written it for this gifted and talented program that I was in. And it was like one of three plays that were read that, that, that fall. And, um, I was so embarrassed Uh, that I did not even tell my mom that it was happening Um, and I think I was embarrassed I mean ostensibly I was embarrassed because I was gay and it was like this way of like I realized that I was essentially like coming out to uh, my entire high school Um, but also I was embarrassed because I had lied by making one of the characters straight
0: And does he, does he remain straight throughout the play?
3: Yeah. What's
1: the general plot? What happens? Of the play? Yeah.
3: Uh, just like, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, discovering that one of, one of you is gay and the other, uh, like comes into a kind of acceptance with it. Uh It was really like, it's truly corny stuff. I, I think I have one copy of it somewhere.
0: Send um. it, send it, <laughs> scan it.
1: Um, but I mean, you know, that is that is the time. That is that is how you sometimes uh, reveal yourself to yourself is through fiction. Yeah. Yes. Is that is that a thing you see your students doing now? Or are they able to define themselves more directly?
3: You know, I have. It's interesting. My students are so out. Yeah, like, um, the queer ones. I mean, I I suppose there there might be some of them who are closeted, but like, I had a first year writing class a couple years ago where fully, um, a quarter of the students were out gay male students.
4: Yeah,
3: Um, writing about it, you know, uh, totally. Like, one was one wrote a story about, you know, uh, being on the football team and, uh, talking at national coming out day and like how, uh, the national coming out day format at his school, that is. And like how, after he gave his talk, his coach, like put a rainbow sticker on the door of the football team, uh, office. Oh my God. And I was oh my like, God. Oh my God, <laughs> this is like <laughs> team movie gold. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, that's the John Hughes movie I want to see.
3: Right.
0: Um I would like to do this for several more hours, but I think we have to wrap. Up.
3: Yeah, you got office hours. You got students who it's need to true. see True. There may be students who want to talk to me There's as a long we line. speak.
1: Alexander Chi, thank you so much.
3: My pleasure. Have um, a good day.
0: Thank you for being here. Thank you
1: Watch your DMs, I'm sending you a link. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>